How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Gotta talk all things college football, including a hiring, a firing, and a rumor out there about an extension to a major coach at a major program. We'll get all these things in with our next guest. That would be Brian Fisher, Athlon Sports College Football Columnist. Brian Jody Mack here. How was your New Year's? I hope well. Uh, it, was. it was. It was spent watching football, which uh, is the best kind of New Year's. I have zero problem with that. And then you spin it off into New Year's Day. And it isn't exactly the same because the college football playoffs are bigger and they didn't play on New Year's Day this year. But even New Year's Day is still pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, New Year's Day is, is fantastic, and uh, I, I always look forward to it. it. It was a little bit different this year, obviously, but uh, I can't wait till the, the next New Year's when we can really, uh, you know, get back to, to celebrating college football like it like it's meant to be played uh, right around that uh, January first date. Then let me go there next. We have lived through a COVID year. And it has affected all of us in all of our lives in many different ways for a guy like yourself covering college football, how it has affected college football plays very strongly into your life. How do you think, and it's such a a widespread question because it came down to conferences and universities. is isn't like Roger Goodell making the calls and guiding the National Football League through something. It's so different on college football as a in a general way, how would you say college football handled getting a season done during a pandemic? Um, you know, I, I would say it handled it as, as best as it could. Um, you know, I think there were some, when you look back, you look at certain outbreaks uh, that, that occurred uh, with various teams, uh, how leagues conducted themselves. I, I do think there was, was obvious room for improvement. And, and I think you look at, you know, especially at, at the, the pro level, um, you know, with the NFL being able to get through, uh, as, as we go into this weekend, uh, likely all 256 games, um, you know, there were some protocol breakdowns. There were obviously issues with these college presidents um, in terms of when to start, when to stop, when to uh, when to postpone. And, and I think that uh, is, is after everything gets done and, and everybody can catch their breath a little bit, um, you know, does need a little bit of, of a revisit. But uh, I think overall from, from the players, uh, you know, who, who put up with, with so much just to get in practice, just to get in uh, a lot of these games. I mean, they really went through the ringer this year and, um, you know, the, the, a lot of them made it through. And I think that uh, is, is a testament to what uh, kind of hard work they were able to put in, all, you know, following um, all the guidelines that they were given by their teams. And you know, I think for administrators, obviously, you, know, you look at the balance sheets and uh, you're seeing a lot of red um, you know, after this year, as, as everybody is uh, after 2020. But uh, I think overall, I think college football 
the fact that we were we were able to get to this point where where we only have one game left uh, after tonight and, and it is the national title game and, and we did get in some of these major bowl games. Um, you know, I, I think it is at least a a, a, a minimum of a mission accomplished at this point for college football. That's a good way to describe it. Mission accomplished, mostly accomplished, I would add. Um, how, uh, if you are like me, who thought that those who critique the college football playoff committee for putting Ohio State in, having only played five regular season games and their championship game in their conference and uh, debating on whether they did or didn't deserve a spot in the uh, Final Four after going undefeated, uh, how gratifying do you think it was for uh, the people on the committee and those who defended their decision to watch Ohio State take out Clemson last night? Oh, I, I think uh, you know if, if you were to give those those committee members some truth serum, I, I think they would be uh, ecstatic. You know, at the, at the way things kind of shaped out, um, you know, with with the college football playoff and and really the rest of the New Year's Six, you know, bowl games. I mean, you you look at um, you know Georgia and Cincinnati playing in competitive games. Those guys. Uh, you know, were ranked together for for a good chunk of the season at, at eight nine. Um, certainly, there was some controversy over Iowa State getting in ahead of Indiana, ahead of Coastal Carolina, who, who both um, probably had a, a better resume argument uh, to get in, to get in there. But um, you know, they the the Cyclones today took care of business against Oregon. So I I think the committee overall, um, you know, especially with that top four is. Um, certainly looking back, patting themselves on the back and, um, you know, toasting to uh, another job well done, which, you know, let's face it, it, it wasn't much of a decision at the end of the day, uh, you know, that they had to make. Yeah, was there a little controversy, um, you know, from Texas A&M fans out there? Sure. But uh, at, at the end of the day, there was a pretty clear cut top four really dating back to September and, and on through the season. And uh, I don't think there was much controversy, certainly now, after seeing that Sugar Bowl and, and, and seeing that uh, faux Rose Bowl uh, down there in Dallas. I thought there was more controversy after the fact out of remarks made or and actions both made by Dabo Sweeney, who I happen to be a fan of. I like Dabo because I think he brings personality to a sport that is personality handicapped to begin with. And it almost needs to be because you talk about amateurs and not professionals. But Dabo does a nice job of adding personality. But every once in a while, personality can make a major mistake. And him putting Ohio State in on his vote on the coach's poll at number 11 was ridiculous. And he ate a lot of crow for it from the social media critics out there. I didn't have a problem with him taking as much grief as he did. I thought he brought it on himself. How about you? Uh, absolutely. And this is not the, the first controversy. He, he has certainly stuck his, his foot into his mouth and, and, and kind of created out of thin air or at least perpetuated. Um, you know, when, when you could have had a, a story die down, he, he keeps adding fuel to the fire. And, and that's that's Dabo, frankly. You know, he, he's not going to change. Um, this, this is who he is. That That is his personality. And uh, as much as it, you know, it has been interesting to kind of see him tr- change from really that kind of underdog uh, figure, um, you know, really into the, the, the Goliath of, of the sport, uh, along with Nick Saban. I mean, uh, you talk about one of the most successful coaches out there, um, you know, the, the way he has transformed from, uh, you know, the, the aw shucks, little Clemson. You know, Clemson is, is the juggernaut now. It's one of the three elite programs in college football right now. And, and I think when he does have these mistakes, it really does magnify, um, you know, not only what he said, but um, kind of the position that, that the Tigers are in now. And so I think it uh, has been a fascinating journey to see him, uh, you know, really um, these last last couple of years in particular kind of go from uh, that, that underdog where he can, can take those shots, where he, he can make those claims. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, usually he, he's being able to back it up. He was not this week and, and kind of see him uh, eating the crow, as you said. 
Brian Fisher, uh, Athlon Sports, college uh, football columnist, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Brian, I'm going to give you a chance to be honest up front and maybe conciliatory a little bit. You weren't one of those guys who actually got sucked in by Zach Wilson playing a couple of good games and overreacted to uh, Justin Fields having a less than stellar Big Ten championship game to say that Wilson may have caught and or surpassed uh, Fields in as far as eligible draft status coming up this offseason, did you? Well, I, I think it's, it's an interesting conversation because, you know, I, I think there is obviously the, the clear-cut number one in, in Trevor Lawrence. And then I think that at least because the sample size was was so small, you know, it really did magnify Justin Fields' flaws. Um, you know, he, he pressed a little bit this year. And uh, when he was playing loose, when he was playing free, as, as we kind of saw – uh, certainly after that, that big hit that he took in, in, in Sugar Bowl, um, you know, he, he was letting it fly. He, he wasn't pressing too much. And I, I almost think because um, you know, the team only played five regular season games, he, he, he almost went into every game um, you know, trying to ensure that his team got to the playoffs. So he, he was almost uh, un, under pressure to, to really blow teams out. And I think that you know, allowed some, some uncharacteristic mistakes. But um, you know, when you really do drill down in, into the details with him as a prospect, um, he takes all the boxes. You know, he's got the size, uh, certainly brings the, the added element of mobility. Um, you know, smart guy can, can diagnose plays at the line. And, and I think, you know, really has kind of firmly established himself um, all the way back to high school as, as kind of that number two guy to, to Trevor Lawrence and, and, and a guy with a tremendous upside. Now, I think the, the thing with Zach Wilson is, um, you know, there's, there's still going to be the injury history that I think scouts are, are going to look at pretty closely, and, and that might scare some teams away. But um, the, the way he has played, the way he has thrown – um, you know, he takes off a lot of those boxes as well. And so I think that he's at least closed that gap into where there is a conversation. Now, um, you know, whether you're the, the Jets or, or somebody, you know, picking in the top five or top ten, I think the interesting thing that uh, in my mind that's come out with, with this NFL draft season, um, you know, is really Trey Lance because he was kind of out of sight, out of mind. His stock has probably dropped the most out of anybody. And um, you have seen kind of Zach Wilson supplant him as kind of that consensus number three guy. Now, let me ask you a question about Trey Lance. It's funny that you went there. I'll tie that into Justin Fields, too. Uh, I've taken calls. I've gotten tweets from people who say, Jody, you're way too high on Justin Fields. Ohio State quarterbacks stink. No Ohio State quarterback has ever mounted that. And I keep trying to explain people it's completely and utterly irrelevant there hasn't been a all-pro quarterback come out of LSU for 40 years since uh, Burt Jones back in the 70s. It didn't keep Cincinnati from taking Joe Burrow number one last year, nor should it have. And, oh, by the way, he looked pretty damn good until he went down with an injury. So I think that's ridiculous. Will the NFL teams be scared off on Lance at all by the uh, fading of Carson Wentz this year in Philadelphia because they come from the same school, same program. I've even heard uh, some people compare them in their game is similar. Do you think Carson's downgrading in Philadelphia will have any effect on uh, the way Lance is viewed? I think maybe in the back of some guys' minds, it might just a little bit, but he's always going to be a guy that has the you know tremendous physical attributes that you look for in a signal caller. He checks off all of those boxes, and and you know playing in his system, you know at North Dakota State, that which has produced 
um, you know, these NFL quarterbacks. I think that that does help him. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, in terms of the physical tools, I, he, he's got more upside than than a Carson Wentz. And um, we all know NFL scouts, uh, all all the front offices, all the coaches, they love that that word, that upside word. And and he has probably the most of any of, of it uh, coming out of the FCF FCS level in in several years now. And so um, I, I think he's still a, a good prospect, a, a guy that um, assuming he's, he checks off the, all the boxes in terms of the interviews and, and all that. Uh, probably can still go in, in in the top ten in the draft, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, teams are still going to you know reevaluate not only what they saw from him last year, but um, you know, understand that he's still a little bit more of a developmental guy um, you know, compared to a Zach Wilson, compared to a Justin Fields, who who let's phrase it, that they they're probably going to get thrown into the fire uh, a lot earlier than him. But you know, if you're sitting out there in your Carolina and, and you have time, you have. Uh, you want to build things the right way. I, I think he could end up fitting uh, with, with a guy like Matt Rule. So uh, it all comes down to really kind of the flavor of the month, uh, depending on where your draft slot is. And and I, I don't think Carson Wentz's struggles, although that might get talked about in draft meeting room, ultimately they are going to evaluate Trey Lance for Trey Lance. And uh, I think they're going to like what they see ultimately. They should, because a predecessor should have really no evaluation uh, impact on a, a, a completely separate player. doesn't matter that they came out of the same school or not. I'll give you one other quarterback that I do like ahead of Trey Lance. All right, not Fields or Lawrence, but I would rate him ahead of uh, Zach Wilson as well. And he may just walk away with the Heisman. Uh, from the people that I'm talking to, it sounds like that the Heisman voters are actually going to go non-quarterback this year and Devonta Smith could walk away with the hardware. But I, if I had a vote, I would cast it for Mac Jones. I think he's had that good of a season. Uh, he's gone above and beyond De- Devonta Smith just because a quarterback must. He's got to be able to spread the football around. He's done a nice job of that this year. An Alabama quarterback has never won the Heisman. There's never been an Alabama quarterback I would have voted for. There is one now, but I don't think he's going to get it. Who's going to get the Heisman? What kind of a pro quarterback do you think Mac Jones is going to be? I think it's going to be an interesting evaluation with him, uh, you know, especially in light of, of Tua Tungavailoa's struggles a little bit, just because of you know he, he does have all these weapons and, and you kind of got to remove them and, and evaluate the quarterback for all of those throws. And um, you know, in terms of the arm strength, it, it's not you know uh, you know light 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 your light on fire uh, type of arm strength that that can throw it down the field like a Howitz or um, you know he does diagnose plays you know at the line very well and, and I think you know makes the right read. Um, has really nice touch with his passes, and, and I think overall he, he he has certainly kind of entered that conversation to be uh, you know a late first round type of guy. But you know really what what helps him more than anything is is really there's there's not that many guys behind him, and so that's going to elevate his draft stock. Obviously, I, I know Kyle Trask, uh, another Heisman finalist, is being talked about. But you know when you, when you talk with scouts about him, you know they they mention that you know frankly both him and, and Mac Jones not the most mobile of guys, and, and I think because. Um, you do lack that uh, nowadays. If you are a, a true top tier uh, first round quarterback, you got to be able to move out, move around the pocket. Got to be able to escape pressure, and, and those guys can can do it some, but but not to the level that I think the NFL scouts want to see. And so um, he's going to be a really intriguing and, and interesting evaluation because uh, you know, like you're saying, he's probably throwing throwing footballs to the Heisman winner. He's got another probably first round talent uh, out there as, as well at wide receiver. Um, and, and, and he's just, he's, he's been phenomenal this year. 
But uh, I think there are there's going to be some skepticism as that draft evaluation process really continues and guys start to, start to drill down into him. And so um, he's still probably the number four guy on most boards. But uh, as we all know, when you get past the season and you really start to dig into these guys, maybe that ends up changing with Matt Jones. Yeah, I'm a uh, bigger fan than most, but I'm okay with that. And I didn't move off Justin Fields, and now I'm quite happy that I said he, for me, should be a lock at number two. I think it's a two-quarterback franchise-changing draft. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and then a drop-off, and the drop-off to me comes to Mac Jones next, but that's just me. I did want to fire these two by you. Tom Herbin gets the heave hole from Texas. I feel badly for Tom Herman. I think he's a very good coach. Whoever gets him next to coach their program is going to get a hell of a coach. It's the tough. It might be the toughest program in America to try and run with the kind of pressure that's on uh, down there in the Lone Star State. I had been reading, hearing people whose opinions I trust know it better than me had been saying he seemed like he had dodged a bullet, and then out of nowhere, here comes the bullet today and wastes him. Were you one who was surprised by his ouster in Austin? Uh, a little bit. I mean, it, it was only you know December 12th where, where Texas kind of made a big deal. They, they put out a statement really saying he was going to be the head coach in, in, in 2021. Even you know, I had to clarify it uh, again just to, to media members to say, yes, no, we, he is going to be our guy. Uh, obviously, they, they blow out Colorado in the bowl game. And you think, you know, yeah, the, the pressure is definitely on Tom Herman to, to win big in 2021. But um, you really all indications were as, as frosty as the relationship was with, with him and the athletic director, him and some of the boosters, um, he, he would make it almost as, as a lame duck type of coach. But, um, you know, things can change. Money obviously talks at a place like Texas. It's a um, you know very unique place uh, in terms of the booster culture there. And, and uh, you know, he, he simply wasn't Chris Del Conte's guy. Um, you know, I think that that relationship had certainly soured the, the last couple of years and, and given everything that had gone on in, in 2020 and um you know tom is is not uh, exactly the the easiest personality to get, get along with either but um you know, at the same time I, I think he really did elevate uh you know the floor of that program from from where it was uh under his predecessors and um you know I, he, he's got texas in a position to, to win big um but i think everybody kind of looks at, at the recruiting uh slipping a little bit these last couple of years um you know having to go through the staff changes after last year's eight and five record um, you know, just re- it really has not gone that all that uh, great for Tom Herman in close games uh, against games that Texas should be winning. And, um, you know, I think, frankly, the, the administration and, and, and a lot of the key guys down there in Austin said, you know, if we can upgrade, let's just do it now. Why, why, were, why would we go through another year? Um, yeah, it's going to be costly to, to make this change, but um, you know, let's let's bring in some fresh blood. Let's get some momentum going into 2021 uh, versus being you know, pretty stagnant. Uh, you know, with especially with you know, Texas A&M on the rise in that own state. Uh, certainly, Alabama and Ohio State recruiting well in in the state of Texas now. So I think there were uh, a lot of issues, but uh, no no doubt about it. Uh, pressure is on Steve Sarkeesian going forward, and, and I think it's going to be an interesting move to see where where Tom Hearn goes from here. Well, I was going to say, you want to take a speculatory shot at where Herman could land. He can certainly take his time finding another job because he's getting a whole bunch of walking away money from um, Texas. Take a year, just wait, see what opens up. What do you think he'll jump into the fray for a couple openings that follow? Yeah, I think, you know, you could maybe take a year off, uh, you know, go be an analyst or, or you know, go tour the country. If, if you do want to kind of take that time for yourself, that, that's always an option. I think everybody looks at, at USC certainly coming up uh, as a potential opening in, in the near future. 
um, you know, whether, whether that might be an option for him as, as, as well. You know, he does have ties uh, out to the state of California as well. So that, that could be uh, a potential landing spot down the road. Um, you know, I think uh, you also look at uh, maybe doing a little bit of a job swap uh, with Steve Sarkeesian. You know, uh, Nick Saban's going to need an, an offensive coordinator here. And mm-hmm. I think Tom Herman, the, the way he's been able to, to really adapt a lot of different systems, um, certainly bringing in, you know, what, what Urban Meyer did uh, originally at Ohio State. Um, you know, he is able to incorporate some, some pro-style concepts, uh, you know, integrating RPOs. Um, you know, I think that would be an intriguing look, um, you know, if he, if he were to, to wind up uh, back in Alabama as, as part of that kind of Nick Saban coaching rehab tour that uh, seems to be uh, working wonders, really, for yeah. everybody that kind of comes through yep. there. So, um, that they, it, it's going to be interesting to see. He, he's going to be a big name, I think, on the periphery of, of a lot of these coaching searches. And you never know. The, the NFL is always out there as well. And I think with with the interesting guys like you know Matt Campbell and and, and uh, even Jim Harbaugh, I think there could be some interest um, out there and in, in some more openings at the college level. I was going to get to Harbaugh as my last question. Report today that Michigan has put a five-year extension on the table for Harbaugh, and he hasn't signed it. He hasn't turned it down yet. It's just kind of sitting out there. They were very disappointing this past year. You could say almost as disappointing as the year before. Um, I know he's a big name, and they made a major commitment to him, but let's be honest, he hasn't exactly blown them away at Michigan uh, why do you think Michigan is, if they're aggressively putting a five-year offer and an extension on the table, I would say that's almost desperation with Harbaugh. Why do you think that is the case? Yeah, I think this is uh, obviously this has been in the works for uh, you know several re- weeks now, and I think if you, if you look at what uh, you know Michigan wants to do, they they don't want to fire Jim Harbaugh. I, I think the relationship with the administration there is is good. Um, you know, I think the AD and, and everybody, uh, you know, in Ann Arbor, you know, really respects Jim Harbaugh, but understands that, that changes need to be made. And with this contract extension, uh, it, it'll be for less money. Um, you know, it, it will be uh, certainly a little bit easier for the school to kind of get out of, uh, you know, if they do need to pull the ripcord down the road. And, um, you know, at, at the same time, they're, they're going to give him the opportunity to make changes to that staff. Um, he's already let Don Brown go. There, there's going to be a new defensive coordinator coming into town, um, probably retooling uh, some other positions as well. And so uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, this is uh, really a case of let, let's give this one more try uh, with our, our famous alum who has done work, good work in the past and see if he can make it work. And then if not in, in two or three years, um, you know, we'll be able to make another evaluation and kind of go from there. But um, no question uh, that, that the program has slipped, but Jim Harbaugh knows that more than anybody. And I think if anybody wants this to succeed, this whole whole experiment, uh, it is Jim Harbaugh. He loves this job. He loves being in Ann Arbor. And uh, if he can't make it work, then, then I think you've got to you know, really question how good uh, that Michigan gig is. Ryan, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Glad to hear you had a good new year. Have a great championship week as well. Absolutely. Good to be on with you. My pleasure. Ryan Fisher from Athlon Sports, their college football national columnist here with us on CBS Sports Radio. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.